Our gospel lesson today comes from the 24th chapter of Luke. This is known as the encounter on the road to Emmaus. On that same day, that is the day of resurrection, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, what things? They said to him the things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago, but there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, stay with us. It's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then, and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As those two disciples walked home toward Emmaus on Easter Day, they were bewildered. They literally left after the women came to tell them that Jesus wasn't in the tomb. They had given up. They're resigned. And I don't blame them. And the story tells us that Jesus 
came to walk with them, but they were prevented from recognizing him. I wonder why they were prevented from recognizing Jesus. Typically, I've added a subject to the sentence that is not there when I read it. For I typically blame God for preventing these two disciples from recognizing him. It provides nice dramatic effect to read it that way. Like God is blocking their vision until poof, and they realize it's Jesus and he's gone. But what if these disciples' inability to see Jesus has nothing to do with God and everything to do with them? The translation I just read said that as they walked, their faces were downcast or literally pulled down. They were walking and retelling the story over and over again like we do after any major event. They had a seven-mile walk ahead of them, so probably a good three hours to contemplate all that they had experienced. The message paraphrase states that they were long-faced, like they had lost their best friend. So as they retell the story, I'm sure they were filled with wonder, wondering, could we have done anything? I wonder if we shouldn't have made such a big deal with the palms the week before. I wonder if the Pharisees set all this up. Their conversation probably included some guilt. We should have stepped in. We should have offered ourselves instead of him. He did nothing to deserve this. They probably became resigned at some point on their journey. No, we couldn't have done anything. We were victims along with him. They likely moved to blame shifting. Well, the Roman government was going to kill Jesus no matter what. They were going to partner with the Jewish leaders and make sure there could be no uprising. So it's not really our fault in any way. And in all of these emotions in their conversation, they were prevented from recognizing Jesus when he begins to walk stride for stride with them. They could not see that this was their Lord in their midst because they were so consumed with trying to figure it all out. Their minds could not even grasp that Jesus could be alive in their midst because they thought he was dead and stolen from the tomb. So they were prevented from recognizing Jesus. Why are you prevented from recognizing Jesus? Why are you prevented from recognizing Jesus? Well, I think first, one thing that stops us is what you are allowing to come into your mind and heart. Friends, the news cannot be going on 24-7 in television, radio, or internet form and be helpful. 
This is true not only in times of global pandemic, but also in other, quote, normal times, whatever those are. There was a time in many of your lives where people only read the paper in the morning and then watched the news once in the evening. Prior to television's rise in popularity, it was just the daily paper. Here's the reality. There is not more news today. We just have more access than ever, and it plays into our anxiety in very real ways. I find that during heavy news cycles, I pick up my phone and check for news many, many times during the course of a day. And we have however many channels of news that provide us breaking news all day long. And there just is not that much breaking news. So much of what we hear and fill our minds with is opinion that perpetuates anxiety and be can become all-consuming. We should not live, hear me, as people who do not know what is going on in our world. That is irresponsible. At the same time, there is a limit to how much news we can consume and absorb. Kate Bowler, the creator of this devotion program we are doing, talks about how in the middle of her cancer treatments and research about her type of cancer, she had to have a cutoff time every night. She could research methods and treatments and percentages during the day, but every night she cut it all off. And I think she even includes watching some silly reality television. In a piece she wrote a month ago, she encouraged the same pattern when dealing with COVID-19 news. We can learn and take in things during the day, but we have to have shut-off times. In the same way, we don't allow our children to sit in front of screens all day because it isn't good for them. And I use phrases that my grandmother would be proud of, like your brain's going to rot. So too, we need to have a limited approach to our intake of news because it's not good for us. I go so far to say that it can stop us from recognizing Jesus. The second thing that I think prevents us from recognizing Jesus is this, feeling harried. There is a point during normal life in my household, about 15 minutes before we are supposed to be out the door and ready for the day. I don't know what to call this moment other than a mess. No one is doing what they should do to get ready I forget what I was doing or trying to get at least three times in the course of a minute. And there is more raising of voices than necessary, and this feeling of being harried takes over. I think this word is something between hurry and angry, and it is an awful thing. When we are harried, we cannot see God. We are consumed, and nothing else seems possible, and it is impossible to see hope and new possibilities and resurrection. All we know is that Jesus was dead, and we cannot be creative in the moment to notice that he's standing there with us. This week in our devotional readings, we read that poem from Julia Fehrenbacher each day called The Cure for It All. And I found these following lines especially helpful. 
forgive yourself for not meeting your unreasonable expectations. You are human, not God. Don't be so arrogant. Friends, we all, to some degree, create unreasonable expectations for ourselves. We often do it in the name of success or getting ahead or something like that. But oftentimes they contribute to our harried nature. When we are harried, it is impossible to see God. And sometimes, especially in normal life, a lot of us are harried. The third thing that I think prevents us from recognizing Jesus is this, feeling isolated and alone. We are social beings and not made for isolation. Even if you are an introverted person, this stay-at-home quarantining might feel a little too much. This week, I, not an introvert at all, wanted to go to a concert with 10,000 other people just because. I wanted the energy and random conversations and even crowds and traffic. And a Zoom call wasn't going to cut it. Some of us live isolated and alone, not just during these times, but most of the time. And it can be really hard. We may feel detached from others, or like we just don't have the relationship networks that other people have. And our loneliness may prevent us from seeing God, for we are so inward focused that we might lose perspective. Here's the point. No matter what is stopping you from recognizing Jesus walking with you, God is not doing that to you. God is not blinding your eyes and closing you off to seeing Jesus. And you are not bad for having downcast eyes like the disciples. We all do at times right now. None of us is strong enough alone to be doing great every day. In fact, if you are doing great on a day right now, you're probably lying. So in our story today, right, Jesus opens the scriptures for the disciples and interprets who he is to them. He reminds them of their story and helps them out of what is preventing them from seeing him. Jesus is still doing this today. He is speaking words of scripture over us. For those filled with bad news and consumed by it, Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. When I was a child in Sunday school, we used to sing, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And I think that song is still true for us today. And I'm not just talking about be careful about seeing things that are lewd or inappropriate. I'm also talking about the constant consumption of news and opinions about it. We have to be careful with what we allow into our eyes because it impacts the eye of our heart and mind. For those who are harried, the risen Jesus stands in front of us and simply states, peace be with you. He promises that he is always the prince of peace and that he can calm the storm so he can surely calm our 
anxious hearts. And he quotes the psalmist right to us, be still and know that I am God. And for those feeling isolated and alone, Jesus states his words that he proclaims to the disciples at his ascension, I am with you always. This is not theoretical. This story today is a lot about a movement from isolation into community. The disciples walking along the road were isolated, and Jesus moved himself into their community. As they walked along the road and Jesus acts like he's going ahead, they made space for Jesus when they got to the village and welcomed him in. And we know that the turn of this text is amazing. For as they're gathered at home and Jesus is a guest, Jesus all of a sudden becomes the host. For he takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them. And at once, their eyes are opened. They are turned from their inward-facing gaze and can look outward with hopeful confidence. That's what Jesus does. And they can say, were not our hearts burning when they describe Jesus' presence with them? I ask you, How is Jesus meeting you today? How is Jesus responding to your barriers to his presence and breaking through? For Jesus comes to you wherever you are, and your eyes can be surprised and shocked as you recognize Jesus in your very midst. For he is there if your eyes are opened. Amen.